Hi guys, it's America and Teresa. So we're taking a break in January and we want you to check out some of our favorite episodes. So we'll be back. Keep on fighting in the open. Hi everyone. You're listening to In the Open, a podcast by Mental Health America, where we talk all things mental health related. Hi, everybody. We're back at In the Open. And today I have brought Kelly Davis back in to talk about stopping stupid thoughts. So you may remember that Kelly spoke to us a couple weeks back about Mm -hmm. the topic on I Want to Die. It was good to talk through all of those things. And I think it's always really helpful to have people that identify with what you're going through. So I think it's great to have that out there, even if the experience of feeling that isn't great, just the camaraderie that there's other people out there who feel that way is really helpful. Yeah, for sure. So I wanted to bring you back for Stopping Stupid Thoughts because we kind of touched on the topic while we were talking about wanting to die um, or I hate myself. That was the mm-hmm. topic. Not I yeah. to die. It was I hate myself. Because the thought I hate myself is kind of a stupid thought mm-hmm. that we often have. Um, and there are so many thoughts. But, you know, it's there's a lot in therapy that talks about stupid thoughts, which they don't call them stupid thoughts, right? Like mm-hmm. they're cognitive distortions. Yes. <laughs> But I figure we could start today talking about like, why do we do this? Like, what is it like to have stupid thoughts? Why do we do that? I think my experience of it was just, this is me and this is me bullying myself constantly. And there was no other way of being. So it was just like, if I would do something around other people, it would be like, oh, this person hates you. Oh, they don't like what you said, they're thinking about you and all those things versus, you know, if I make a mistake on something, all the thoughts pour in my head, you're a failure or even body image wise, just like any sort of obsessive, this is what you look like. This is bad. This is not good. And all these like really intense judgment thoughts that kind of pop up all the time. I think is really frustrating, but I think even, even just knowing that it's a thing that other people experience was changed a lot for me because I thought that I was the only person who was beating myself up constantly like that and didn't realize that most people who I was interacting with brains were saying the same things to them. And I would never think those things about them. Yeah. Do you think that more people in society generally feel insecure and or unsafe or hate themselves or have stupid thoughts? Or or is it like, I don't even know if we have the capacity to make these decisions because mm-hmm. we live in that world of like constantly mm-hmm. having and battling stupid thoughts. But it's like, as we've gone through the process of like, oh, this is just normal. Like everybody beats themselves up or like, oh, I'm just the only one that beats myself up. Mm-hmm. Like what's, what's reality? Like how many people are really actually just beating themselves up? Like more than we think, less than we think. <laughs> I think memes really changed that for me uh-huh. is seeing all the memes of people having similar experiences and all the people I knew sharing them because uh-huh. it wasn't just other people talking about it in therapy and it wasn't me reading about it. It was like the collective online consciousness putting out all of these awful things that people think about themselves in a way that makes it less scary because they're funny usually. So I think it's pretty common, but obviously people have them to different degrees, right? So, and some 
of them are more distressing. Some of them are worse to experience than others. There is a difference between having stupid thoughts, like as a collective society and knowing that we all like kind of hate ourselves or feel unsafe Mm -hmm. or like want to bully ourselves. But you're right. It really is just bad when you can realize that like what you're doing yourself is not okay and that you want to stop that process. Otherwise, you wouldn't look up stopping stupid thoughts Mm -hmm. or like my thoughts are stupid or why do I do this? So how can you tell if the thoughts that you're having are not normal and something that you should actually work towards stopping? Normal to one person is not normal to another person, right? So I don't know. The way that I think about it is more what hurts you, yeah. like what's painful. So if I'm at a point where I want to do something, it's usually because, oh, this sucks. And these things are coming up in my head all the time. And I don't know what to do with them. And I think it, for me, it took other people pointing it out. So maybe it was like reading something online or whatever, but even though it's horrible and uncomfortable space to be in to at least say, oh, like maybe this doesn't have to be like this and I can do something about it and that these aren't necessarily valuable things. They're just things that come up. And sometimes they come up more often when I'm stressed. And if you know, you're living in a in an environment that's really high stress or dealing with a lot of trauma, it can be constant, right? It's not just this comes up for times of stress for me. It's like, this is how I protect myself and also just how I was trained to think. So the hope that these are just things that come up and there's something I can do about them, I think is really powerful, even though it's work and doesn't might not seem as clear initially. Yeah, I know you're right. You're it's like it's not clear at all initially and like when we're in that space where we're so deep in it, right? Mm-hmm. Like that really dark space in our lives. It's so much harder to realize that you're in a bad space and that you have to get out of it. Something has to snap. Like something has to slowly be like there this is not okay. Like and it takes a lot of time for you to realize what it that it's not okay and like learn the patterns that you're getting yourself into and like learning the patterns of the patterns mm-hmm. <laughs> and knowing yourself and finding your worth and your identity is like not tied to those thoughts or what other people think or the fear that you have in your head but it's like tied to something else mm-hmm. and what you're reminding me of is like I am better today at finding my stupid thoughts and like I can catch them. I'll go down that path and be like stuck in my head for I'm like saying like on a good day, I'll catch myself in an hour. Mm -hmm. But if I'm not, it's like a half a day or like a whole day. But it used to be the case that it was always there. And like, I just did not. And I yeah, yeah. Looking back now, it's like, okay, when you're in that really bad space and you don't know, like you just don't even, you just know you don't feel well. Mm -hmm. And I think that ties into like the kinds of stupid thoughts that you have and why it's so slippery to go to, I hate myself and I want to die. And like why it's so easy to just think like there's something better in this world than what it feels like today. And that's, that's probably a good sign Mm -hmm. (laughs) that we're not in a good space. Like when you don't want to live anymore and it doesn't feel like there's hope, you're like, okay, something's got to change. And maybe it starts with your thoughts. Yeah. And I think in my experience, humor played a big part in that, in getting me from, I'm in this awful space to, oh, these are things, these are thoughts that I'm having where, cause when you have them for so long, it just feels like it's you. Mm-hmm. 
and this is just me and this is my reality, but being able to laugh at it because I think a really big part of it is taking away its power. There's no value in these. And it's really hard from going, my brain's destroying me constantly to, ah, I am enlightened and no thoughts can hurt me. They're just, <laughs> you know, pieces of my consciousness floating by like clouds. It's like, okay, but I can't talk to people because my brain is telling me they hate me. So it's like not a good thing to say, this is where you have to be. But it's like, oh, if I can make jokes about this and oh, if I see other people making jokes about this, I can see that I would never think that way about them. And I would never think that they thought that way about themselves. And like, oh, maybe I'm wrong too. That's important. I think that I've talked to a lot of people about that. It's like, why do you crap on yourself? Because you pretty much hang out with cool people who are like you and you don't crap mm -hmm. on them and they don't think that you're all these crappy things that you think mm -hmm. in your head. So basically, that was how I was like, okay, these crappy thoughts all are me beating myself up and I'm basically doing this to myself. Like nobody actually gives a crap about the zit on mm -hmm. my face or whatever stupid thing I said that I thought was a stupid thing that I said. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that just comes from fear of looking stupid. I mean, that's one mm -hmm. thing, right? Like of the many layers mm -hmm. of why we hate ourselves. We'll continue to dive in all the different mm -hmm. types, I think, of the ways mm -hmm. we hate ourselves <laughs> and have to be with thoughts. But um, humor is really interesting. Maybe this is like a collective thing that people who have stupid thoughts learn that like having humor is really helpful. And I love that you described that it helped you in that way. I also find that I'm super self-deprecating and I always like felt like it was the next step out of bullying myself in a mean way was like to bully myself in a not mean <laughs> way, but funny way, but I'm still doing it. So it felt mm -hmm. easier to like have a place mm -hmm. to still still say the things that I'm mm -hmm. scared of and like make fun of myself but because it, it's not comfortable to actually say good things about myself mm -hmm. do you know what I mean like mm -hmm. I am still not comfortable with saying like I am so amazing like that's weird to me right now I still can't take mm -hmm. compliments like so I'm mm -hmm. not there and the step in between throwing myself down the stairs emotionally and like finding a way to have self-compassion is to just use humor to deflect all the bad feelings that I feel when people give me compliments. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think in there's steps in between that too. In my kind of internal stupid thoughts evolution, I think it was, this is all I know. I can make jokes about this. And then more curiosity of like, hmm, are these related? Or, hmm, like, I wonder why I'm saying these things to myself and making it less about I, because I think that there is too, right? There's there's the fun part of I make jokes about myself and all the wild things that I do and say and think, and they're funny and other people find them funny. But I think too, that can be a place where you get stuck, like you were saying, because mm -hmm. it's like, I'm still beating myself up constantly. And, you know, it doesn't have to be self-compassion or we're getting to this state of higher consciousness to just be like, oh, okay, like, what is this? What does this mean? Like, it, it doesn't have to be anything. It's just like, oh, this is just a thing. And what does it mean? And I think for me, curiosity yeah. um, helped me move along from like, I just make jokes about this to I wonder what's happening. And I wonder what, where did this come from, right? Is yeah. this kind of a collective 
we have negative brains and want to be part of a group. So my brain is trying to keep me connected to other people and really doesn't want me to make social mistakes. Mm. Or is this something someone in my family said to me? Or is this something people at school said to me? And have I just, do I, am I owning Mm. other people's stuff now and looping it in my head? Definitely. I like the curiosity. That's so, that's such a positive pretty beautiful way of describing the self-healing that has to happen because you you do you have to figure out where your stupid thoughts come from and like we talk about like patterns of stupid thoughts you have I can tell myself like I got to stop beating myself up but the only way that I've gotten to where I am today is that curious I didn't call it curiosity but I like that that's so nice for me it felt more like crawling out of a ditch <laughs> mm-hmm. like through dirt mm-hmm Otherwise, I was going to suffocate and bury myself. So I had a choice. I could either fight to live or I could just go ahead and pour the dirt over my head. But I like curiosity. There's a playfulness to that. And there's this, <laughs> there's, it's, it's, if I could like do that in my head and see it as a curiosity, maybe it wouldn't, maybe I could remove some of the anger that I feel when I'm feeling like I have to challenge my stupid thoughts because they're, it's like, I'm going to pay you for therapy. <laughs> That's that feeling. Well, like stupid thoughts and emotions are so together. Mm-hmm. And it's right. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm going to stop my stupid thoughts, I have to have like a real healing process. And so when people are like, well, I want to talk about my, my pain and I want to talk about my childhood. It's like, I get it. Like if where we're going to start today is like not diving into your pain and your childhood or the suffering or where that comes from, then that's fine. I'll be with you. But I know I mean, I think we all have a sneaking suspicion that if we want to really get better and not emotionally throw ourselves down the stairs, like we have to heal. And it means having a curiosity and it means being brave and it means asking hard questions that and getting to a place where you can like try and like yourself. So you stop so that so that pain and being in a stupid thought place is more painful than than when you were so comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that. What is that saying? Is like when the risk to remain in the bud is like stronger than blooming, or whatever they say. It's basically because once you get a breath of it, and once you get a sense of oh no, that's where I was. I think a lot of people experience that drive because I talk about that a lot when I talk about my story is like, I'm going to kill me or I'm going to figure it out. Like I, I, I got two options, right? And like once you acknowledge the scariness and once you can step back maybe and see how much pain in a broader way, but even in like subtler ways that build up throughout your day and make you not want to do things or go places. Once you, once you know that that's what's happening and that there could be another way, I think something in a lot of people just kind of ignites and is like, well, I'm just going to read and practice because that seems to be the thing that works for other people is like, if I do this, if I start doing the same things and, and noticing this, then maybe they can go away and maybe they're not true. Yeah. I think that does say something about me. Part of the process of stopping your stupid thought can't be without also changing your behaviors. 
because that light, like maybe I saw more light and was able to change my thoughts because there's no thing in the world where you're like, oh, I'm challenging my thoughts and like the way that the thoughts are tied to my emotions and that somehow that's like utterly separate from the things that I'm doing. Somehow I'm beating myself up always, right? Like because I'm ruminating on the emotions and ruminating on the thoughts and then I'm sitting in my bed and I'm not talking to people who love me and or I'm lashing out at them actively and also thinking about ways to kill them and kill myself. And all of it is just like this negative vortex of hatred. I think especially when you're at the beginning of trying to challenge it, is that if you want to think about it as kind of this external thing, this like external force that's like intruding in your mind, it can almost feel like if I don't do this perfectly, it's proof that this is just the way I am. Yeah. And like, if I can't immediately do this and get rid of them, it's because I'm bad and broken and wrong. And this is the way my brain works and it'll never be different. And I shouldn't try. And I think that that can be really discouraging when you first start is like, if the curiosity piece in that sense is helpful, has been helpful for me is just, okay, this is, I still know that this is the thing that's happening and it's happening on top of itself. And it doesn't mean that I lost everything and can't do it again. Yeah. So let's go down this path of like, okay, let's talk about like, what do researchers call stupid thoughts? And I think it I think it's really interesting, because that's like what researchers say are like stupid thoughts. But I think it'd be really cool for us to also talk about like what we think are like common patterns of stupid thoughts. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's do Mm -hmm. the researcher side first. And like, this comes from like cognitive behavioral therapy, like people talk about cognitive distortions, right? So like off the top of your head, what are your favorites? (laughs) Black and white thinking is my home, is where I live. (laughs) Okay. What is that like? So, and this definitely is tied into trauma. Like, because I'm constantly so alert that someone might hurt me or try to destroy me, Mm -hmm. I'm always thinking, okay, this means they either love me or they hate me, right? Or I'm either good or I'm bad, or I'm either the best at my job or about to be fired. <laughs> um, and, and that there's there's no in-between. And I think a lot of people are like that is it makes me feel safer to create those rules about the world. So I think I think black and white thinking is my my go-to. That's where you love. My go-to home. Mm-hmm. That's where you feel the safest. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Oh, I still think a lot about like, should I've said this on the podcast a lot, like shoulda, woulda, couldas. I should have done this. Okay. Why didn't I yeah. do this? I'm mm-hmm. so stupid. Why did I say that? Why didn't I do that? Or if I made a mistake, what was I thinking? I sh- should be better. It feels very much like feeling good to beat myself up by looking back at all the little things that I did and could have done better. Mm -hmm. I don't know that that comes from necessarily like suffering child stuff, but it also comes from like culture. Okay. Growing up in a family environment where you had to just step in line and do the thing you knew you were supposed to do. And if you didn't do it, it's like, shame on you. Why didn't you do it? You know, like you should know better. And the fact that you didn't and you did something wrong is like a failure on your part, like on your character. But there was a time in my life where I think I also like catastrophize. They call it catastrophizing. Mm -hmm. 
or generalizing. I think they're all kind of the same thing or mm-hmm. like creating a mountain out of a molehill. We all have like, it's just like you go from zero to 60 mm-hmm. and it's tied to the shit of what it could have, right? It's like, there's a lot of us in our office who struggle with imposter syndrome. We're like, we're pretty sure that people are going to lift up the covers and find mm-hmm. out that we're all fakers. Mm-hmm. We should be fired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would say another, another one of my greatest hits is personalizing things. <laughs> so uh-huh. I have a tendency to, well, I think I feel like I'm like overlapping with ca- catastrophizing too, because it's also just like the slightest anything could be a huge threat, right? And it like touches on, I'm about to be fired yeah. because I forgot an apostrophe in an email, <laughs> right? It's like, I mean, I mean, I even had that Every time I submitted a paper or took a test in school, especially during finals, I was convinced I was going to get kicked out of school for like a month, a month after that. <laughs> yeah, that that was a big one for me. I think I think school and like anything that's such high pressure on performance, at least in my experience, really like revs up that catastrophizing because everything feels so high stakes. Kids, dude, are in so much more pressure these days than we used to be under pressure. And didn't they say like people with depression are actually more realistic and that actually people who are not depressed are just kind of oddly and abnormally optimistic? Like, so yeah, I think that to be, to to basically survive in this crappy world, you can't be depressed Mm -hmm. because you're too realistic Mm -hmm. and the reality of the world is going to crush you. So the only way to be... okay and to like move on despite the fact that everything around us is blowing up and we all will Mm -hmm. die and we are destroying the earth and Mm -hmm. war is at the precipice of our lives like yeah you have to be a little deluded in happiness Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) and not think too much about the real pressure that is happening in your lives and it's just a lot of expectation on our young people in a, in a world that is ever scary. Like, what opportunities do we have? I don't want to think about this too much because that's just too scary. Like, it's going to yeah. be okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it's all yeah. Like, it's going to be okay. Yeah. I think another big one is because um, I can just think I did a presentation recently and got two pages of outstanding feedback, and one person said I talked too fast. And I could not stop thinking about how I messed up because I talked too fast. (sighs) It's like none of that, none of that seemed to have any weight except for one person saying something that could be perceived as like moderately negative. Yeah. And that's so true. It's like when you're not feeling safe in your identity yourself, like if my identity is based on what other people basically say of me, then I'm going to so glom on to like the negative stuff. So when I'm in a bad Mm -hmm. space, I'm more likely to glom on to that negative stuff Mm -hmm. instead of seeing it for like what it really is, like 11 positives and one slightly negative. And even though I'm like better today than I was before, there's always that fear when you're going to get criticism where my heart races, I'm like going to start to vomit in my throat actually at the fear of what what might be negative criticism because I know that I'm always feeling on the verge of just breaking down. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. I can't handle criticism. So I Mm -hmm. do everything in my power to prevent or or like hold that 
thing at bay. And I think there is a part of like feeling secure and safe that means I have to work on feeling okay when someone tells me something that's not good. If I can take it and like hear it for what it is and it doesn't totally screw up my identity and who I am and send me to the like the depths of hell, you know, that's the better place to be. Like we can't just cry at the, I want to, or like feel that, you know, like, Oh my God, I'm going to cry because mm-hmm. I got this negative feedback. Yeah. A couple things. It's like we're talking about stupid thoughts and like common stupid thoughts. We have a worksheet called Stopping Stupid Thoughts, which breaks down the common cognitive distortions. But like, what are the stupid thoughts that we have? If we had no researchers to describe all of our stupid thoughts, mm-hmm. like, would we describe them differently than those things? Or have you and I been so trained up now that we can't mm-hmm. even think not in that space? I mean, I know what mine are, mm. right? It's yeah. like, I, I know what they are. So like, I probably wouldn't talk about them using jargon, but I know that if I have an emotional reaction to something, right? If somebody doesn't say hi to me, I feel bad, then my my feeling bad is like, I immediately believe that I feel bad because they have something against me and that this is why this is happening. And then it kind of like spirals out from there. Is that like, I know that like, I know that I'm doing these things and I don't talk about them in, in a way that might reflect kind of a jargony psycho rebel kind of way. Yeah. I think it's really interesting because we like researchers need to distill these things down to like measurable stuff. So they have all these types of stopping stupid thoughts. If you look at the stopping stupid thoughts worksheet, it like lays that out. But if you really want to stop your stupid thoughts, and this makes me think about ways I need to readjust stuff. The the next process in stopping stupid thoughts with which we've talked about is is all that in between. It's like slowing your role. Like I call, I tell people like I'm running onto the anxiety train, which wants to run at like a hundred miles an hour. Mm-hmm. And I am racing onto that mm-hmm. train so I can jump on it and ride it mm-hmm. forever mm-hmm. and just go down that space. Right. So like the process of stopping a stupid thought starts with slowing down enough to ask myself a lot of questions. Why am I having these thoughts? What the frick am I doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where am I going? What's a stupid thought? What's reality? Where does this painful co- experience come from? Blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Until, until I developed a new habit of not going there so fast, like not running on the freaking anxiety destroy train and like choosing to like pause and be like, wait, do I even want? Oh, and it's not like I'll probably jump on the train now for a shorter period of time before I'm like, eh, like I got to mm-hmm. jump off that train. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Whereas before I would just ride it in circles like over and over and over mm-hmm. and over, like hating myself constantly. So it's not even just like knowing what the thoughts mm-hmm. are and labeling this them this thing. It, the process of stopping a stupid thought is like getting to know yourself and then knowing emotions, labeling what I really feel, which we have like a labeling feelings thing. So to truly stop our stupid thoughts over time, I think we have to combine those three worksheets know what these stupid thoughts are, learn how to pause Mm -hmm. and ask yourself a lot of questions and then know where your feelings come from. And all three of those things are actually really hard to do. Yeah. Yeah. But I think starting with the feelings, because first of all, I think when you feel strong emotions, at least for me, it does not feel good to stop them. (laughs) I love them. I love my negative feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I have a pattern of just 
going 100, zero to 100 real quick from like, I'm calm till I want to destroy everything or I'm the worst person in the world or I'm really sad. And, and I think that those, those are kind of where I start is like, I don't always necessarily have this idea of all of the thoughts that are going through my head. But I know that when I get on those big feelings trains, I'm like, oh, what, what triggered this? Mm -hmm. Like what triggered this? What do I have to believe about what happened to feel like this? And like, are there other ways to look at it? And I think that like working backwards, uh, because I, I don't, monitor all of my thoughts well unless things are good and then I monitor them too much <laughs> and then I might I probably amp up these thoughts because I'm waiting I'm waiting for the next thing right yeah. so the way that I really like to frame it for myself is just emotions are feedback right it's just like information about what's happening and I'm like okay if if this is the feedback I'm getting what do I what must I believe is happening I agree with you wholeheartedly. Like now that I'm able to look back at them, they're not and nothing is like alone. All in the matter of seconds, I'm like, I have thoughts, I have emotions, strong emotions. I love that you call them big emotions. They are. And my go-to is no longer sadness right now, anyways. I mean, because I don't ever feel necessarily like sad cry either. My my depression feels more like just exhaustion and apathy and tiredness and slowly falling into a b puddle of blobness. But the anger, the mad, the like want the mad. I love feeling mad. And it's so mm -hmm. the mad feels so good. The mad feels good. <laughs> it feels good. Not for everybody, but for me, it's it does. validating it's like power, right? It's like, <laughs> like, I can do something about this. Yeah. It's so mm -hmm. interesting. I wonder if there's like a commonality in anger and like trauma, because like, there's definitely a time in your life where you feel so powerless and so afraid and like anger was not where you went to because mostly you felt so scared that when I found my anger voice, I was safer. And I was like, nobody is going to hurt me ever again. I'm going to freaking crush everyone. And so now my coping skill is if I feel like you are putting me to a corner, I am going to crush you. And that feels so much safer and better than being freaking scared mm -hmm. and little and tiny and hopeless and unable to protect mm -hmm. myself. So yeah, I think that's why I'm addicted to anger. Why I don't want to give it up, but it's really bad because I, I really lash out at people who are closest to me, not to my coworkers. You guys all don't think that I'm like an angry person. <laughs> no, I don't. I'm very surprised by this. <laughs> it's awful because I really only hurt the people closest to me. I think that that, that, hap that happens a lot, you know, with, with those kinds of feelings is that it impacts those around us and then it hurts our relationships and is really frustrating. The feelings, you know, are just such a big part of it. It's just like knowing in a way to like guide you into doing all this because it's such a, it's such a big leap, I think, is like, oh, if I just notice how I'm feeling and like if I notice there's times where I have big surges of feelings what can I identify there? Your feelings are never the feelings you think or like the initial thoughts that you have, the ones that are like the angry ruminating mm -hmm. thoughts. That's always like the surface. That's the mm -hmm. starting point. And you're like, when you stop the process, you're like, oh, I feel angry. But what I feel is not anger. It's scared. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, attacked or like learning all the feelings. And then 
the thoughts are like, I hate this person. I hate myself. And then once you kind of step step back, the two kind of go hand in hand where like the stupid thought is not, I hate myself or like I'm horrible. It's like, it's so hard to go that down Mm -hmm. that path of like finding out the real words to attach to Mm -hmm. the real Mm -hmm. feelings that you're having. But like to get better, you really got to do that. It's like, okay, I'm really mad and mostly just feel unsupported because what I think is that it's not because you're stupid or horrible. It's because I just need help yeah. <laughs> or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Or, or if, you know, if I am jumping to black and white thinking in my brain, I'm like, oh, I'm afraid of something like this is scary for me. And that's the real feedback that's happening right now is not whatever my brain is telling me about real life is like probably not the whole story, but I know that I'm scared because that's where my brain is going. It's less fun to feel scared. I feel like to acknowledge the underlying stuff that it is to um, like, there's a reason why we do these things, right? It's yeah. not just to add more layers of things to be therapized, but it's that they're serving us in, yeah. in some way. It is. That's true. Like when it comes to stupid thoughts and stupid feelings, I think people are more comfortable saying I'm angry. But if if like I've talked to some people about like, no, well, like because I'm challenging myself, like my anger comes from insecurity or feeling scared. Like when I say that or when I say like you're being scared or you're being insecure or whatever, like it's, it's normally and I get it like an immediate reaction where you're like, no, I'm not. I'm not insecure. And I'm not. There's something about mm-hmm. the word insecure and scared that people don't want to be that. That's true. It taps into like this negative mm-hmm. thing. But I think if we are all freaking honest with ourselves, a lot of the crap that we carry and pick up off the freaking floor or whatever, like definitely mm-hmm. comes from vulnerability and fear and scared, some kind of that stuff. So we all want to avoid that (laughs) stuff because it's really painful. (laughs) So it sounds like a natural trajectory to the next place is about big feelings at some point. So I'm going to check in with you when you're free and when America's not free to (laughs) talk about big, big old feelings. Yes, that is that is my life. Is it? <laughs> From birth is just big feelings. Big feelings. Yeah, I got the, the big feel, the big anger, the big sad, all of them. That's interesting. <laughs> I'm excited to hear about it. I think I've crushed my feelings so much that I I have big feelings, but I don't think that they're a bit. I don't know. That's funny. Well, we're going to talk about what it even means to have big feelings. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Kelly. So that brings us to the end. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. And remember to fight in the open and be brave. (laughs) Bye. Bye.